Hello and welcome to the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. I'm today's host, Jimmy Miller, an associate editor for the magazine. On today's sponsored episode, we're jumping right into a podcast with Nick Moore, the Director of Product Management Electrification at Briggs & Stratton. Serving at Briggs & Stratton for over 15 years, Moore is leading efforts to increase awareness and adoption of the battery solutions offered by Vanguard Commercial Power for a growing number of industries and applications. Moore is also structuring the company's ability to service Vanguard battery solutions globally. Moore has a Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering and a Master in Business Administration from Marquette University. Nick's here to talk about electrification and the green industry's growing appetite for battery-powered equipment. When most think about electrification in the green industry, it's assumed we're talking about handheld equipment. But this rapidly advancing technology includes large commercial mowers now, too. And Nick's here to take us through it. Nick, welcome to the London Landscape Radio Network. So, Nick, just jumping right into it, what kind of demand are you seeing for electrification in the turf industry? And what's driving it? Sure. So, you know, it's interesting, uh, as you mentioned, you know, handheld has been out for quite a while and what and mowers where, you know, a smaller battery makes it uh, an easier transition. But really the past year, especially um, the demand from essentially every OEM making lawn and garden equipment, has, they've all realized they have to have an offering. So, um, you know, one of the big drivers that, that uh, I won't say it's because of the market necessarily, but when California made their statement about, um, you know, getting rid of, of you know, IC engines, um, people didn't just say, oh, selling to California, I have to have this, but this is probably the first of several that are going to pile on and do the same thing. So everyone realized if I'm going to continue to, to make the products I make and, and service these markets, I need to have a battery offering. On top of that, as consumers continue to, to get more comfortable with, with both automotive and then again, with, with their handheld and other equipment, um, it, it's less of a stretch for them to, to get into a, a larger battery powered piece of equipment. So, you know, it's still earlier in, in the stages uh, on, on some of these larger ride-on pieces of equipment, but say a lot of activity from OEMs across the board. What are some of the advantages of electrification of lawn and landscape equipment? Sure. So, um, you know, obviously the, the regulatory driver is uh, the sustainable ener- energy piece, um, you know, the zero emission. So obviously, you know, that that's what's starting it from that side, but um, that, that does lead to a, a better user experience in a lot of cases too. So you know, people aren't near exhaust as, as often. Um, the mowers run a lot quieter. You still have blade noise, uh, which is a big driver of noise, but you no longer have, have engine air noise and, and exhaust uh, to contend with. Um, you know, another big driver, and especially now, and I tell you, it's, it's interesting how this wasn't the case when this started, but now with fuel prices being where they are, um, for commercial cutters who they have to fill up a, a whole trailer full of equipment every single day, um, you know, that, that's a big driver and a big cost driver to them, whereas as now they're able to, to plug the unit in overnight when uh, energy costs are lower. Um, that could be a big driver for, for them to, to get a benefit, um, you know, to the bottom line of their business. Um, another big, big area is, is maintenance. So, um, you know, you, you essentially get rid of all, all the fluid changes and, and potential, you know, failure points uh, in, in the future with, with less components that, that are, are running that way. You still have some gearboxes and things like that, but, um, you know, you get rid of engine maintenance. Um, in most cases, you're getting rid of belts. So you're, you're directly driving motors from, from your battery system. So, um, you know, less, less need of, less moving parts, I'd say, that can fail and, and are wear items that, that need to be replaced uh, in, in the future. 
another big benefit is is really you know the the need of of you know we fight a lot in the engine side of our business is, is people who use bad or stale fuel um you now no longer have the need to stabilize your fuel over winter and things like that for storage um, as long as you're storing a battery in the, the temperatures that it, it's allowed to live in um, that's essentially the amount of maintenance that you have to do there so for for commercial cutters uh, another big area that that they have um you know a, a benefit i'd say is more and more uh, municipalities, universities, um, and, and large businesses to, to get a contract to, to cut their lawn, you have to have all or at least a portion of your fleet be green product. So um, that becomes a, a competitive advantage for those who have more of those mowers uh, in their fleets, um, as well as we're even seeing on the residential side, sometimes commercial cutters will say, you know, here's the, the green fleet option versus, you know, standard option. Um, and again, in neighborhoods, it allows you to possibly mow at earlier times of the day with the noise level being a little lower. So kind of a multitude across the spectrum, both from actual end user who's, who's on the machine and, and gets that, that benefit of, of use um, to people who might own a business or, or a municipality who it becomes a, a you know, financial benefit to them. I, I wanna jump back to what you just said about the colleges and universities, um, You know, maybe some of these larger commercial accounts that are requiring you to have some component, you know, of uh, battery-powered equipment. Um, how long have we kind of seen that as a growing trend? You know, you kind of indicated that maybe this is something you're seeing more and more of. Yeah, honestly, um, I'd say it, we really hadn't been hearing much about it until this past year, year and a half, really, where it started to be something that people are talking about more of. So it may have been out there a little longer, but maybe not as prominent. And I think also the equipment. Uh, availability wasn't there for them to have good options. So, so I'm thinking the people who would put that as a requirement maybe knew that. But as soon as some OEM started coming out with some commercial battery powered equipment, um, those those types of organizations realized, okay, now I can force that buying decision on on my suppliers to make sure that they're supporting, you know, our mission or, or goal for for our facility. That makes sense. So suppose I am a contractor who is you know just jumping into this. With more battery-powered commercial mowers entering the market, what are some of the potential considerations that I'd have to consider before making an investment? Yeah, so I tell you, a, a big thing is is um, the variability in kind of design direction an OEM can take is much wider, um, and it may be a little harder to navigate than it is in, in traditional gas power. So in gas power, you know, it's kind of you just look at the horsepower and size of deck, and you assume or, or have tested enough to know that, you know, the manufacturer is putting the right size engine to, to match what kind of work the, the mower is going to do. Well, now you have that whole other aspect of runtime. So um, it's what kind of runtime am I actually going to get? And, and honestly, this is probably where OEMs are struggling the most in um, trying to pick what is the right amount of runtime because everyone says, oh, I got to cut for eight hours, but you're really not spinning blades, cutting actual grass that, that's, you know, taking work. Um, of your mower for eight hours a day, typically. So it's it's what's the right amount of battery because if you put too much battery on, you're essentially overburdening the cost of that machine uh, too little, and people are potentially not going to get the amount of work done that they need to do a day. So that that's kind of the the biggest driver um, that you really want to understand. You know, as you're comparing different mowers, of of what is their advertised runtime and, and what do they base that on. Um, you know, sometimes people are out rough cutting, you know, in road size, maybe they don't get cut as often. That's going to take a lot more load and, and, and use up your battery capacity a lot faster than if you're maybe in a residential area and you're going out and doing the same yards once, twice a week and, and just taking a minimal cutoff. 
you're going to have a more, more optimal runtime. So really understanding that is a big piece. I, I think another one is some of the um, design decisions OEMs make based on trying to maximize that run. So um, I think this is probably the biggest driver of some of the mentality out there that battery powered mowers aren't strong enough to, to do the work is because typically what OEMs did was sacrifice performance to hit a price point as well as you know minimize um, the battery to get close enough to the runtime that they think they needed. So things like changing your, your blade angle so that you don't maybe cut as well, um, you know, doing other things in, in the drivetrain, things like that. So um, you want to try to understand really what has an OEM done and how is it going to perform in relation to maybe product that you're more traditionally familiar with. Um, beyond that, um, you know, charging is a big, big piece of it as well, obviously. So um, in certain cases, if, if you think you're going to have to hit a, a opportunity charge throughout the day to get your total day's worth of work done, you want to understand what your charger options are available and, and how you're going to be able to interface with that. Or if it's a, a plan to be an overnight charge time, is it, uh, am I getting the right charger to do it in, in a single night? You know, some of these mowers that have north of, you know, 15 kilowatt hours of, of battery on them. If you don't get a large enough charger, that, that can put you over your eight hours of, of nighttime to charge. So you, you need to make sure you're getting the, the right step up charger, which, you know, most of them that, that mowers come with are like 110 volt outlet, you know, plug in that most everyone has. Um, larger equipment, you likely want to go up to like a, a 240 volt, you know, um, what you'd have in your shop type of, of charger to, to make sure that you can actually get a charge in the time that you have available. So. I think really the, the last thing is really understanding, um, as we talked about some of the regulations and that, uh, maybe maybe not that you're being imposed those now, but knowing what, what is coming based on the market that you operate in to say, should I be planning ahead or not? Um, you know, you're, you're, you gotta work through that, that whole um, cost benefit uh, uh, really to, to understand, you know, because typically the battery mowers are gonna cost you more, but there's, there's a return on investment on that as well. Um, as well as just viability of your business going forward if you're a commercial cutter of, of am I going to be able to continue to serve What kind of infrastructure does a contractor need, you know, talking about this preparation, um, you know, what kind of work do they have to do to, you know, prepare themselves to be able to handle these, um, you know, electric commercial mowers? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I tell you, um, the charging piece is a big one, obviously. So depending on how large your fleet is, as how am I going to charge them? And am I going to just charge them overnight? We're starting to see a lot of activity and thoughts. Um, I've got people talking about having a, a powered trailer where you can just plug in the trailer and everything, you know, all your equipment's in that trailer and able to, to take a charge at once. So I think people are going to very quickly get sophisticated to that level of, of, you know, making their lives as easy as possible. And that, that may also be your option to do, you know, I can get some charge on a lunch break possibly and, and do things like that. Um, beyond that, it's going to be, you know, making sure that you understand the, that runtime piece so that again, right now it's pretty easy to just add fuel to the gas tank and keep going. So, um, you're going to have to maybe do a little bit more fleet management of, of scoping out your day of, of what machines are going to what jobs, uh, to make sure that, that all that runtime is accurate, um, to, to make sure that you're, you're going to hit, you know, the, all, the daily work that needs to get done, um, as expected. That recharge um you know in terms of skepticism from potential clients have you noticed that recharge time being like the number one kind of thing that they they bring up i tell you it really depends on on the the customer and, and really what they're looking at because like i said a lot of them are like well hey 
long as I get it done in eight hours, I don't care if it takes me eight hours or if it takes me two hours. It's I have eight hours that they're not going to be used at that time. There are those that, that do. I mean, we've had some that say, <clears throat> excuse me, they they want to be able to get an hour on lunch break to go into an automotive charger and plug in and and you know make sure that that's going to get them an extra three four hours at night that maybe the machine you know was didn't have cable on board. So the skepticism is is absolutely the right word of of you know people needing to understand that. But I think it's also really the the biggest unknown, as I mentioned earlier, of people don't truly know the amount of work done for how long of a day. They know how long their crews are out, but how long are they truly spinning blades, cutting grass? Because again, your battery mower, when you're just in transport mode, yeah, you're you're driving off the trailer to, to different lawns and that amount of power that uses versus if you're cutting four inches of thick wet grass, um, huge difference in in what your runtime is actually going to be so so you got to kind of understand those those differences and, and make sure that you're you're understanding that yeah, we've, we've spent a, a good deal of time kind of talking about runtime but i wanted to dive into maybe other areas where you know the battery powered mowers compare to the gas powered counterparts what are some of those similarities and maybe a few differences yeah, so I, I kind of touched on those a little bit um, as we were talking through some of the, the benefits or I think some of the ways that OEMs are looking at it. So really, um, like I said, the the myth, uh, I'll, I'll call it a myth that the battery powered equipment isn't as powerful as as gas. Um, it's solely because of experiences people have had based on what people have brought. Um, you can absolutely, you can make a battery powered mower way more powerful than a gas counterpart if you want to. It's It's sacrifices people make based on cost and, and things like that, that that drive that. So again, it's really wanting to understand how similar is this to a gas piece of equipment? Um, you, you know, there's a lot of newcomers out on the markets. It's it's okay, what what is their quality of cut testing they do? What kind of lift blades are they using that's gonna, you know, bring the grass up and, and cut it well um, and, and discharge well and, and all that kind of uh, information that, you know, the people who do this for, for a living absolutely need to understand. Um, what what the what kind of decisions OEMs are making um, with their product to to make sure that it's really hard to to group them all into one bucket of of hey all battery mowers act this way and you have people who are are all out there with you know kind of redefining the market with uh, I'd say low low end consumer zero turn type stuff that that you know it's battery and you know, because it's out there in, in the masses, that's what people think. But then you look at some of the commercial product out there as well. But they are basically taking their commercial mower and outfitting it with electric drivetrain and, and components that they expect you to get the exact same um, experience and performance that you get with their gas counterparts. So um, really, it's a it's a lot of a lot of the decisions that that are are made by the OEM, and and honestly, it's a big part of um, you know the research that that a, a buyer has to do to to make sure they're going to get what they want. Absolutely. Let's dive into what Vanguard's doing. Um, you know, what kind of solutions is Vanguard offering when it comes to electrification in the turf industry? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're uh, historically known as an engine manufacturer that we've, we've been in the battery industry for, we actually started our, our journey a little over six years ago, but so we've been out with, um, you know, commercial lithium ion on batteries. So I'd say that's why it's Vanguard branded. That's our commercial brand. It's made for the user that uses their piece of equipment every single day. Um, and, and really when, when people talk battery, it, it's, it's also an interesting thing that lithium ion is a very wide ranging uh, technology and terminology that you really have to do homework on what kind of battery am I truly getting? Because 
you know, you think of a hand tool or, or some of those, you know, um, replaceable batteries that, you know, you put it in all your different, you know, small equipment. Yeah, you can, you can run large equipment on those types of batteries. Um, typically, those batteries are made to have a, a, a much lower cycle life, which means how many cycles of charge and, and discharge they can go through until you know, they, they start to, to really diminish in, in their capacity that they have. Uh, our, our battery is, is a, you know, plan for, for a commercial user that you're going to get years and years of, of, of use out of it. So um, really market-wise, that's what we're looking at. There are, there's absolutely some people are looking at our batteries on, on more of the, the mid-level uh, product, which is fantastic because reality is people are going to get a long, long life out of, out of product with those types of batteries. I tell you the biggest thing that we focus on um, as a company is, is how people apply power. Again, whether it's engines or batteries, um, that, that's kind of the same mentality we always take, that we have an application center with engineers that we partner with the OEMs that we want to make sure you're picking the right um, power source. And in this case, battery that's going to give, you know, we want to understand what their goal of runtime is. What, what kind of loads are they going to be under? Um, how can they incorporate parts that, that we do to, to give the better user experience? For instance, um, lithium-ion batteries all require a battery management system called a BMS, which is essentially a computer on board to, to manage how, how the, the battery is used. Um, we like to, to integrate that with our OEM so that um, kind of the one thing that we always say is the last thing we want the user to have a product shut off and then you don't know why. So typically when that happens, you, you aren't fully integrated you know, with the battery to the piece of equipment so that the user knows exactly what's going on and that the OEM has designed it to do things based on if the battery starts to get near a temperature limit or capacity limit or, or current limit, something like that. Um, we, we communicate those things out of our BMS with their piece of equipment that they can incorporate and, and make sure that you know, the machine, because really you're going from some pretty rudimentary machines in the gas powered world in some cases to a really sophisticated piece of equipment where you can start doing load shedding and making decisions like that. So, um, you know, really we, we focus on making sure that, that people are getting as much of the benefit because we want to see obviously lithium ion succeed in the, the best way. And again, kind of dispel some of those past myths of uh, displeasure people may have had on, on equipment they had in the past. So. Um, you know, really, really happy with, with uh, the experience we've had with a lot of OEMs in the market. Um, as I mentioned, really, the, the sh this past year, when it's amped up, that essentially every mower manufacturer realized we have to have a battery offering. So um, keeps us busy, and, uh, you know, it, it's great to see all of the cool stuff that these OEMs are coming up with. Awesome, Nick. Is there anything that OEMs should consider when thinking about electrification that we haven't already discussed? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, ensuring that they're communicating what their vision is of the product to their end customer. Again, to, to make sure that people are getting that experience that they're expecting. Um, so, you know, this is a, the start of, of really a, a bigger push into the market with the new technology that, you know, people are going to base their decisions on what they think of it for years based on this first experience. So, if people think it's one thing and, and what they're getting is something else and purposely designed to be something else, you know, you want to avoid that. So I think it's about making sure you're clearly communicating with your customers of, of, of what the intention is, what the performance is going to be, and, and truly, you know, what, what that means to, to make sure that everyone's kind of going down the same path and, and knows, knows uh, where the technology can take them. Absolutely. And obviously, I think this, this, uh, video and podcast have been a great starting point, maybe, um, for somebody who's kind of looking at this. 
um, you know, as, as a resource, but what additional resources are available, um, especially to OEMs to help them kind of navigate the electrification process? Yeah, so you know, I mentioned our, our application center. So you know, we deal direct with a lot of OEMs and, and happy to have those types of conversations. Uh, another neat thing that, that we've done is uh, we've kind of taken a different approach, approach to distribution because unlike mounting an engine to a piece of equipment, which is a pretty straightforward mechanical process, as I mentioned, you have to integrate with a computer and do all this other sort of work. And there's all so many different motor uh, options out there on the market and this and that. So what we did is, is partner with, we call them technology partners, um, but basically our distributors all have engineering uh, resources where for small to, to medium OEMs or people who just may, may not have the capability in-house, they'll design a full system for you and program it and do everything. So, um, you know, we realize that there's there's going to be a gap um, in order to hit all of the, the markets that, that are demanding this technology. Um, not every OEM is going to be able to do that on their own. So. Um, we have our, our, our partners listed on our website, but also, you know, if people reach out to us direct, we're happy to, to have those conversations and, and make sure that, um, you know, you're getting the resources you need because we, we want to see, see this technology proliferate through the market as much as possible. Thanks again to Nick Moore for joining us on the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. This was Jimmy Miller, Associate Editor for the magazine. We'll catch you next time.